We read, like I said, from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. Uh, we're not going to go, we're not going to read all of Deuteronomy together. We're going to spend a few months in Deuteronomy, but if we did all of Deuteronomy together, we'd probably be spending about 18 months together. Uh, so uh, what we're going to be reading some passages uh, from here just to learn from it and hopefully get the feel of what this book is talking about. Uh, and if you're wondering, why are we going through the book of Deuteronomy? Uh, it's not really a uh, topic that a lot of churches go through. You hear a lot. It's, it's not a, one of the, the passage favorites. Uh, but it is important. And this is why we're going through it. Because when we were going through our summer series uh, that really extended into our summer and fall series, uh, just talking about Jesus, his parables, his teachings, and his friendships, something struck me that we keep on going back to Deuteronomy. As we're quoting Jesus, Jesus, a lot of times, quoted Deuteronomy. And so it made me kind of uh, re-interested me in this book. So I went back and I started reading it over the summer. And I fell in love with it. And I was just thinking, this is so juicy. This is so good. Why in the world did I not like, not like Deuteronomy? And God began to just speak so much to me about him and about his character and about who he is. And I really felt like as he was doing that with me, that it was something that he wanted to do with the church as well. And so uh, I just started to scheme after that moment on how can we start reading through Deuteronomy together. Uh, because it is just an incredible book. And we're going to get into why. Uh, but just to give some facts on why we're doing Deuteronomy other than I really like it is this. It is the fourth most quoted book in the New Testament when they quote the Old Testament. So it is very prevalent in New Testament theology or understanding. Also, it is the book that Jesus quoted the second most. So the first for the entire New Testament and for Jesus is the book of Psalms. We see that the most quoted throughout the entire New Testament. But the second book that Jesus quoted the most was the book of Deuteronomy. And then in the New Testament as a whole, it is the fourth book that is quoted the most. So it's a very important book to understand. If we only like the, Old Test the New Testament, but we don't ever read or understand the Old Testament, we really can't truly understand the New Testament. And hopefully, we can get some of that across. On top of that, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So that is all scripture. That means Deuteronomy as well. It is good for us to understand it. It is good for us to know what it says so that we can grow in our understanding of God. Just because a book in the Bible, this is actually a big uh, misnomer that the Old Testament is less important than the New Testament. That is actually not true. Uh, that is a misnomer about Scripture. The All Scripture is important, and it's important that we understand all of it to understand the story of Jesus and the gospel, of what has actually happened and what we believe. And so what's amazing about Jesus is as we were going through him, uh, we a lot of times called Jesus a teacher and a lot of people called him teacher, but he came on earth and he really didn't come and bring a new teaching. You know, people like Plato and Socrates and some of the, the great thinkers, they came and they had a new kind of philosophy or they had a new teaching, they had a new 
thing that they brought. And that's why we call them great teachers, the great philosophers. But Jesus didn't come with a new philosophy. He really didn't come with a new teaching. What he came with was a new authority. And that's the kind of difference about Jesus is when his teaching was based on the Old Testament. We just went through the Sermon on the Mount, and literally every week we pretty much were quoting the Old Testament through Jesus. And so Jesus didn't come with some new teaching that blew everybody away. What he came was a new authority on this teaching. And so it's really important to understand what Jesus was saying. We have to understand the Old Testament as well. All of the teachings that he gave were from the law and from the prophets. And so as we read that, we can really deep understand what Jesus was teaching on a deeper level. So as a kind of intro to Deuteronomy today, we're going to give a history of Israel. Uh, because Israel is central uh, in the Old Testament. You know, uh, so if you've never heard of the book of Deuteronomy 1, don't worry. You're fine. We're going to explain what all this means. Uh, but if you've never read the Old Testament, that is fine. Don't worry. We're going to kind of explain what is happening here. Because if you open up, this is why the Old Testament is not popular. You open it. And you read it, especially if you're reading like King James Version or something like that. Uh, you're just like, what is going on here? I have no clue. I can't follow this story. I can't follow, you know, they're in and out of genealogies of law and then storytelling. And then all these kind of different things are happening. So sometimes it can feel overwhelming reading this. And I'm guilty, just as I'm sure people that have tried to read the Old Testament, of, uh, I'm just going to skip that. And then every time I go to, I'm just going to skip that again. And, you know, we just keep skipping it because it's hard sometimes to understand. And so my hope in this as well is to give some context, some understanding, so that when we read together, we can also begin to understand what we are reading and be able to read this at home with greater context and enlightenment and what we're reading. And the Holy Spirit can use that to speak to us. So to understand the next few months, we first have to understand what is happening in Deuteronomy. We have to understand the history of Israel. Israel's history goes way back uh, to a man named Abraham. Abraham is a guy on the earth that is following God. He has faith in God. Nobody else has faith in God. And so God comes to Abraham and he says, you know what, Abraham, because you are my people, because you have faith in me, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you a lot of children. In fact, look at the stars. That's how many kids you are going to have. Look at the sand at the beach. That's how many kids you are going to have. And so Abraham says, okay, God, you know, whatever you want. Abraham, he's old. He's 99, still has no kids. But then God says, all right, I'm going to give you a natural born son between you and your wife, Sarah. And so they have a kid. They have Isaac. And Isaac said, and God is the God of Isaac as well. And so God continues this promise through Abraham, through Isaac. And then Isaac has a kid, and he has a kid named Jacob. And so Jacob, is, he struggles a lot with God. But one day he wrestles with God, and God leaves his mark on Jacob, where Jacob, after wrestling with God, has a limp in his walk. But when what God does is he changes Jacob's name, and he changes his name to Israel. And so now Jacob, his name is changed to Israel, and Israel, 
he has 12 sons. And these 12 sons are the tribes of Israel. <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting weird head motions over here, so I wasn't sure. Maybe I said something. They ha- he has 12 sons. These 12 sons become the 12, son- the 12 tribes of Israel. If you don't know the names of them, I have two of them in my family. We have Judah and Levi. Those are part of the 12 tribes. You, you have Benjamin. You have Joseph. Uh, we now have a nephew in my family. His name is Asher. He's one of the 12 tribes. We're trying to get all of them in there somehow. <laughs> and so what happens with the 12 tribes is they go There's a famine in this promised land that God promised to Abraham. So Israel and his kids, they all move to Egypt. And then they settle in Egypt, and they're in Egypt for a few hundred years. And over time, while they're in Egypt, they get bound in slavery. The Egyptians don't like that there's a people that are growing under the promise of God. They're they're multiplying like crazy. And so the Egyptians say, fine, you want to be numerous in our land, you're going to have to work the land, and they enslave the Israelites. And so after a time, Moses comes along, Charlton Heston comes with the Ten Commandments and the Ten Plagues on Egypt, and finally, the Egyptians free Israel, and they begin to walk to the beloved promised land that God had promised to their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Abraham hundreds of years ago. And so they start walking to the promised land, and that right before they get into the promised land, this is where Deuteronomy takes place. It is Moses preaching to the Israelites before they enter into the promise. So what this book actually is, is it's the second telling of the law, or Moses going through a second preaching of the law. The actual name Deuteronomy means the second law, but it's really the second telling of the law, where Moses decides you're about to enter into the promised land. I want to remind you of your history, and I want to remind you of the law, and he does that through some really long sermons. You ever think I preach for a long time, then sit through a sermon of 28 chapters of Deuteronomy, and then you won't complain anymore. And so they're about to enter into the land, right? They, they get to the promised land. It actually only takes them 11 days, 11-day journey to get to the promised land, They see the promised land, they get scared, and they run away, and because of that, they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And so they're coming up on it a second time, and this time they're ready to go in. They're not going to wait another 40 years. And we get to chapter 4, which is Moses finishing his first sermon. His first sermon entails a history of what has happened up until this point. And there's something that I want to keep on reinforcing with this, right? They get up to this point. They're about to enter into the promised land. Moses is retelling their history. But what we have to understand 
about the Old Testament is there's another misnomer as we begin to read and look at this. The second misnomer is this. God in the Old Testament is different than God in the New Testament. You know, if you've never said that, then you probably have believed it. Because if you read the Old Testament, if you read it at a cursory view, you're thinking, man, what is, what is happening here? There's a lot of things that happen. And so the, the common thought is the God in the Old Testament is different than the God in the New Testament. And that is absolutely not the case. That is, there could be nothing farther from the truth. What has changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament is this. It is the covenant that God has with his people and the relationship that he has with them because of that. And so if you're looking for the difference, why is there a difference? You can look at this. The Israelites have a different covenant than what we live under now. And that's important for us to understand. And because of that covenant, they have a very different relationship with God than we have now. Because of Jesus Christ and what he came and what he did. What we call the gospel, the good news, his incarnation. He walked among us. He lived among us. He taught. He had his disciples. He was crucified for our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice, the great high priest that we were waiting for. He then rose from the dead through his resurrection. He ascended into heaven and then sent his spirit to be with us as our helper. And so we have to understand this, that God is never changing. He is never changing. You know, Scripture says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we look at what we're reading, what I want us to learn as we're going through Deuteronomy is this, the character of God. Because when we look at the law and we look at how God works with Israel and how God deals with them, what we're going to learn is about God's mercy. We're going to learn about God's love. We're going to learn about God's justice. We're going to learn about God's holiness. We're going to learn about God's grace. Because he is not changing. His character has not changed. And when we read the Old Testament, we read the law, and we read about how he dealt with his people over the centuries, over the millennia, what we realize is we realize how amazing and how great the God is that we serve. And so that's why the subtitle of this series is Learning the Character of God. Because as we go through Deuteronomy and we read the law and we read how God treats and deals with his people, we really begin to understand the character, the holiness of God the justice of God, the mercy that God continually has on us. And so we start here in chapter 4, which is the starting the conclusion of Moses' first sermon. His first sermon, the beginning of Deuteronomy, is really a history lesson. It's what we just went through, where Moses reiterates all the great things that God has done, and he leaves us in... Chapter 4, and we begin, and he says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So what happens here is Moses starts off this way in chapter 4. He begins to remind Israel of the covenant that they have. 
And the covenant says this, if you follow the law that I am laying down, this is what will happen. You will have life. If you are obedient and you follow what I have given you, you will live. You will have life. And you will have the promised land. He needs to remind Israel of this because they just disobeyed him. There's a reference in chapter 4 to what happens. Just a little while ago, they were passing through a land that served a different God. And the men of Israel began to worship this God. And how they worshiped this God was they actually began to commit adultery. They, the worship of this God was to commit sexual sin. They, committed, they had sex with the women that were practicing worship of this God. Right? The Old Testament, if we think fornication, adultery, abortion, if we think any of these things are new to our culture, they're not. These are things that have been practiced for millennia. Back then, they had religions that in order to worship these gods, you would practice adultery, you would practice fornication, you would practice baby sacrifice. These are the things that you did to worship the idols. And so some of the men in Israel, as they were going through this land, they begin to worship this god. And in worshiping, they, be, they commit adultery and they sleep with these women. And so what happens with the people of the covenant when they go outside and they disobey God like this, they die. And Moses reminds them, says, remember what just happened just a little while ago. The men who disobeyed God and began to serve someone else, they all died. And so what I'm telling you now, what I'm teaching you, obey it because it will lead to life and it will lead to the promised land. See, the repercussions for everyone that participated in this idol worship was death. And constantly, God is reminding us that sin and its nature leads us to death. From the very beginning with Adam to the new covenant in Jesus, there is constant reminders that when we disobey God and when we sin and we walk away from him, we are walking into a life that leads to death. And Moses is reminding them of this. After he reminds them of the covenant, he then reminds them of who they are. He makes them recall a time. He says, remember in the mountains when I came down with fire and with smoke and I spoke to you. That was in Exodus 19, where God was speaking to Moses, and he says this of his people. He says, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God is telling Moses, remind them of who they are that they are my treasured possession, that all the earth is mine, but you are my people. You are the ones who will follow me. You are the ones who are my own. You are a holy nation. You are a kingdom of priests. If we know scripture, we understand the illusions of this in the New Testament of who we are today to God. 
So Moses is reminding them of who they are, and then he reminds them of what was given in that moment when God came down in fire and in smoke, and he gave them the Ten Commandments. And why is he reminding this to them? Because he says, if you follow this, you will have life. And not only will you have life, but you will be a great people. And all the peoples of the earth, they will see this and they will worship God in his greatness because of you. So listen to God, Moses says. For you will not only have life, but the other nations will be amazed by you. He says this, surely the other nations, they will say this, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all the law that I set before you? I hope this, again, sounds familiar to us. People will look at Israel, and when they obey God, when they look at Israel, they will realize something. What they will realize is that they are different from everybody else. And they will not glorify Israel. What it will lead them to do is it will lead them to glorify God. So God says, I have given you this covenant and I have given you this law. Follow it. You will have life. And then all the peoples of the earth will glorify me through you. When the people saw what was happening in Israel, and they were saying, wow, look at the understanding of that God. They would say, wow, look at the relationship that they have with their God that we don't have. Look at how near he is to them. Look that he answers their prayers, that when they call upon him, he comes. That he is just and he is merciful, that he is understanding. That when they see the law of your people, they will glorify its God. See, there's something about reading the Old Testament that happens for us. We read the Old Testament, if you ever have, you may be guilty like I am when I read it. You know, I read the Old Testament, I think, how dumb are the Israelites? If you've ever read it, have you ever had that thought? Like, what is wrong with these people? You know, they're getting fire. They're getting smoke. They're getting thunder and lightning. They're getting the Ten Commandments. They got the Ark of the Covenant. You know, anybody see Indiana Jones? They got this with them. And still... They choose to disobey God constantly and walk away from him. When God says, look, what I'm giving you is good for you. It will lead you to life. It will lead you to blessing. It will lead you into this way that when other people look at what you have, they're going to say, I want that. 
and they'll glorify me in that. But yet Israel constantly walks away from what God. In this instance, we see that they were serving another God, that in their worship they committed adultery. And you think, Israel, what is going on? What is going on? I don't think we can exit that way. You guys can come this way. <laughs> Go help him, babe. <laughs> so Israel, right, we have this thought about them, but something that has happened in my life is as God has matured me, when I read the story of the Old Testament, no longer do I get angry at Israel as much because I realize Israel is me. <laughs> right? The, the, the more mature we get as a people, we have to realize something about Israel is when we read the story of Israel's idolatry, we are reading the story of our own. That how many times has God come into my life and showed me his goodness, showed me his mercy and his love and his grace, and then two weeks later, I forgot about what he did and went back to my old ways to serve the old idols in my life. Where God says, Justin, here is my peace and here is my joy when I would worship him. And then two weeks later, I go back to the old things where I'm starting to feel anxious again, I'm starting to feel depressed again, and I run to entertainment. Right? We, we have the things in our life. For some of us, it's alcohol. For some of us, it's porn addiction. For some of us, it's drugs. For some of us, it's gossip. Some of us, it's anger. We run to our old idolatry. And we forget about what God has done in our life. And so when we read the story of Israel, what we should also be doing is reading the story of our life. You know, a, a lot of times when we think about Israel and the great stories about it, you know, we, we read these stories about Samson or David and Goliath, and we think, yeah, I'm David. I'm going to get my stone. I'm going to slay this giant. But now I read that story and I realize I'm Israel. I'm cowering in the corner, afraid and not able, not strong enough, not good enough. And that Christ is my David, who came and slayed the giants so that I did not have to because I could not. And so when we read this story, we don't read this with a lens of judgment. We read this with a lens of conviction. God, I see how you dealt with them, how you were slow to anger with them, how you constantly gave them ways and passages of mercy and of grace. And as Moses is reminding them of the covenant and reminding them of what God has done and reminding them of what God wants to do in their life, I want to do the same thing with us today.
that when we follow God, what happens is we are walking on a path to life. When we look at Jesus and we say, I believe in you, I thank you, God, that you don't have to send judges anymore. You don't have to send another King David. You don't have to send another Ezekiel because your son, Jesus, came. That through him, I have victory. Through him, I have triumph. And that when I believe in him and I follow him, I am being led in the ways of life. And that when I walk away from him, and I choose not to follow him, I'm walking down a path that leads to death. And sometimes, like Adam and Eve, we think, oh, I didn't die right away. I'm still alive physically. Must have not been that bad. But there was a spiritual death that happened with Adam and Eve. And that's what happens with us today that eventually leads to a physical death. So God is reminding us today that when we choose him, we are choosing life. We are choosing joy. We are choosing peace. We are choosing life. And God, just like what he said to Israel, he says to us today, you are my people. See, when he says to Israel that you are a treasured possession among all the peoples, a kingdom and a priest and a holy nation, we can also look to him and he says to us, you are my sons and you are my daughters. I know the hairs on your head. You are my treasured people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That when we live a life that is obedient to him, that when we live a life that says, Jesus, I will follow you, that I put my life and I put my faith in you, that something will happen in us that when other people look at what is happening, they will do nothing but glorify God. And they will say, look at what is happening there. Look at what has happened in their life. Look at what has happened in their community. Their God answers them. The one that they worship speaks to them, fills them, does not leave them empty when they are done in their worship, but instead fills them with joy. And so as we read this story of Israel... Many times we can read the story of us. And we look at the ways that Jesus spoke about our relationship with God and our relationship with him. And we can look at how God spoke with Israel and realize his love for his people has not changed. His mercy for his people has not changed. His holiness has not changed. His justice has not changed. What has changed is the covenant and the availability. Now it's no longer by blood that we enter into the promise, but it's by adoption. 
so that all peoples and all the earth can say, you are my God, and can walk in the promise that it leads to after that, which is eternal life for all who believe. And that is why we can get up here and say, how great is our God? Because he made a way for me and continually makes a way for me, even though me, like Israel, sins. But he makes a way in repentance. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I'm going to pray that what Moses said of Israel, that we can also pray for us, that God would be glorified in our community, that we would be a community that says, God, we're going to obey you, and we choose life. And when we do that, we're not looking for accolades from people. We're not looking to have other people say, good job, but we're looking for and we're thankful for other people that they'll be able to glorify you. Why don't you stand with me? Father, I pray that as we read through Deuteronomy, that you would reveal yourself to us in a deep way. That you would reveal who you are. Lord, teach us things about your character that we did not know. Or things that we did that we needed to be reminded of. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everyone in here would choose life, would choose to walk in the way that you have called, in faith and obedience to Jesus, your son, that they would see the blessing and the transformation that comes with that of new life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.